He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he will be coming at the end of that seven years, and he will not be riding on a colt. He will be riding on a white horse that says, victory. We're going after Revelation 4 through 19 in this second series, and it's all about our God and his greatness. We've entitled it, The Thunderous Sevens and the Copycat. The thunderous sevens in the copycat. God loves to use his fingerprint of the number seven. And we're even going to see it in today's passage. He uses sevens to make it clear that he's moving, that he's doing something. It's God's number. He reveals his uh, involvement, his perfection in it. So the thunderous sevens, God at work, and then Satan just running around trying to do a me too copycat thing. So that's why we named it what we did. As we walk through Revelation 4 through 19, you're going to see those come out all over the place, all right? So as we dive in today, we're going to get started with one more passage. Today is Daniel 9, 24 through 27. Last week was the promise. It was the hope of Jesus Christ, the seed of Eve, who would crush the head of Satan, the offspring that would bring perfection and victory and put Satan in his place. Yes, spiritually at the cross, and yes, physically when he comes again. Christ is that promise. He is our hope. Everybody just say, our hope. Right? And so that was last week as we celebrated that piece. So what is the plan of how that rolls out? That's what we're looking at today. So we're going to go to Daniel 9, uh, verses 24 through 27. If you want to turn to page 14 in your Revelation books there, you should have gotten a book either on the way in today or last week. And, and uh, these booklets have our sermon outlines in it, as well as got the impact group questions and the reading plans for a week. So it allows you to just all of us to stay dovetailed together, right? So page 14 as we get after it. Before we dive in first, I just want to set the stage a little bit. So this is the book of Daniel. Daniel is writing this. Daniel is actually in exile. He's been taken captive and he's in Babylon. So there's been a collapse. Israel's been doing terrible. There was actually uh, a lot of trauma that's gone on. And Daniel has now been taken captive along with so many others. They're in Babylon and Jerusalem is just spiraling down. It is being devastated. The, the city and the people there, and most people had been taken to Babylon. So Daniel's sitting in Babylon as a prisoner. That said, God is actually blessing him. Things are going well. He's being raised up through the ranks, and God is revealing different things to him through visions and dreams and whatnot to allow him to be able to help even the king of Babylon to be able to try to better themselves, and God then is raising Daniel up, all right? So Daniel is actually doing okay. Hey, but he's got a question for his people. How long, God? How long is this going to go on in Babylon? And how long is it going to go on where Jerusalem is just being devastated and pushed down? How long? And uh, at the beginning of Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, it says this. I, Daniel, perceived in the books, and specifically he was reading in Jeremiah, in the books, the number of years that must pass before the end of the desolations in Jerusalem, namely 70 years. And uh, this is a huge deal. Daniel read and understood. Oh, I see. It says in, Jeru in Jeremiah that Jerusalem is going to be under some sort of pressure, some sort of judgment for 70 years. And when Daniel saw the 70 years, he presumed that to mean 70 years. It's okay. You can say it. It's not a trick question. He presumed it to mean 70 years. 
Like, why? Well, because when the plain sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense. He saw it saying it's going to be 70 years, and he's like, okay, I'm going to presume that's exactly what it is. And he began to get a little excited because they're getting towards the tail end of that, and he's beginning to see that they're about through it. Daniel, after seeing that, he's more like, okay, God, then, then what's the bigger plan? So, so what's happening with all of Israel? What's happening with the restoration and, and, and all that you're going to be doing with them as a nation, with you as Messiah? Somehow there's this promised Messiah King who's going to rule forever. What's happening with that? Lord, what's happening with all that's going to take place with your kingdom? That's kind of his sea of questions that rolls forth in his prayer in different ways, in different phrases. And uh, God ends up sending an angel, Gabriel, to give him the answer. Wouldn't that be nice if every time you had a question, the angel Gabriel showed up and gave you an exact answer of what you needed to know. But as Daniel is crying out, Lord, what is this? How is it going to work? How is it all going to roll out? I'm not sure I totally get the picture. God chose this moment with this man to be able to reveal out the plan that has the timeline and all that's going to go on. So that's what we're diving into here is the timeline. And we're going to look at the reveal of the Messiah and what the hope is and plan is. So here we go. Point number one, trust. Trust the prophecy that clearly pointed to the exact timing of the first coming of Jesus. Trust. Trust the prophecy that clearly pointed to the exact timing of the first coming of Jesus. So he starts out here and he says, 70 weeks, in verse 24 of Daniel 9, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city. 70 weeks. Now that word weeks there, we know that word to mean, a, you know, a collection of seven days we call a, a week, yeah. And a collection of seven bean bags we call, yeah, I don't know either, seven of something, right? And so I would just say, they use the word weeks here in the ESV, and it's not that it's wrong, it is a collection of seven, but we really only use it about collecting seven days together, not sevens of other things. So probably the best read is maybe more what the NIV and King James wrote here, which is 77s is decreed. Very specifically, the word is sevens in the Hebrew, and we can use the word week. We get the gist out of that, but it does make us think of a very specific time frame, and that isn't really actually what's meant here. Now, another thing it's important for us to understand is it's using the number seven a lot. We're seeing the 77s come together, and as this 77s is coming together, we need to understand why in Jewish thought, right? In, in Jewish life, they had sevens a lot. Like you put together seven days and at the end of the seventh day is the Sabbath. And then you put together seven years and at the end of that is the Sabbath year. And then you put together seven of those seven years and then you get the year of Jubilee. You can hear the sevens all over it, right? The thunderous sevens of God as he works with the Jewish thought. And so we're going to see him use sevens in the explaining of this here. Notice he says, 77s are decreed. How long is that? Well, it could have been each of the sevens was collections of seven seconds. That would go by pretty fast. Daniel could be like, well, it wasn't that. Right? You could wait for that to go by. You could wait for the weeks to collect up and go by. 70 of the weeks. And well, it wasn't that. 
Didn't happen then. So it's pretty easy to go, not the minutes, not the days, not the weeks. All of a sudden you're out to, maybe it's years. And as it turns out, as these sevens are years, it lines up exactly to the coming of Christ. And that's where we're going to walk through. God revealing a little bit of the plan here. He says, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city. Your people, this is Daniel's people. So the Jewish people, everybody say Israel, right? So it's for Israel and for your holy city, Jerusalem. Everybody say Jerusalem. So this prophecy is primarily about Israel and Jerusalem and what's going to go on there with that, okay? So we've got 77s. And Israel and Jerusalem, here we go. Now, if there's 77s, ready? Trick question, not. This is just a straight math question, ready? So 70 times 7 is, yeah, 490. You were a little more bold than the first service. 490, and uh, 490, and if this is yours, right, 490 years. And so that's what's going to be talked about throughout the rest of this passage. How those 490 years lay out and what it means. This is all a setup for Revelation 4 through 19. Now notice what's accomplished in those 490 years. Two big things. First, there's the managing of sin, and there's three details listed there. And then there's the managing of the kingdom, and there's three details listed there. All right? And so managing of sin, managing of the kingdom. That's what's going on in these 490 years. Huge deal. So managing of the sin. Let's not lock that in first. So it says, to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity. Can you hear the talk of sin all over it? Transgression and iniquity and sin. It's putting an end to that. It's managing that. To finish transgression, to end Israel's rebellion against God. To give a path back to God Almighty and celebrating through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. To give this hope, this transgression coming to an end, rebellion over, and God being able to have now this uh, relationship with man through sin covered. It says, to put an end to sin, like all sin, handled, paid for. And more than put an end to sin, it says, and to atone for iniquity. To handle it by covering it, by removing it, by healing us from it. This is the work of the cross and all that Christ did as he died and rose. He's like, just so you know, there is one coming and he is going to deal with sin. He is going to handle it completely. Praise be to God. And oh man, we have hope of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. And this is really all talking about his first coming and the work that was done there in sin being managed. And then the second part, to manage the kingdom. It says to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. To usher in a perfect kingdom, sinless, righteous, going into eternity. This eternal, righteous, everlasting kingdom. To seal both vision and profit. Just so you know, when God puts Old Testament prophecy in play, it's a huge deal. And he's not like, eh. I decided to skip that. I'm not going to do it. Everything he says is prophetic. He's going to fulfill completely. Massive that we get that. And there are many prophecies not yet fulfilled. They are still to come. 
And so we see some statement, there's going to be a sealing up of the vision, completed. We see an everlasting kingdom of righteousness, heaven forever, praise be to God. And more than that, it says, and to anoint a most holy place, new Jerusalem ushered in, Jesus Christ as king over it all, hang on, Messiah coming. So you see a combination of the dealing with sin, first coming of Christ. You see the dealing with all of the righteousness and perfection, the second coming of Christ. You see it all being talked about as it comes together in this 490 years. Now he explains how that's going to roll out. And uh, he says, know therefore and understand. Like get this, hear this, this is some detail you'll want to get. He says that from the going out, from the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one, the Messiah, a prince, there shall be seven sevens and 62 sevens. I'll just hold right there, okay? He starts out and he says, the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one. So remember, you're Daniel. You just got this word. You're in Babylon. It's in the 500s BC. You're sitting there captive and you're like, how long? What's the plan? And you know Jerusalem has been knocked down and destroyed and it's terrible. And the statement is from the command of the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Well, that hasn't happened in Daniel's time yet. It's not happened there. And as he's writing it down, he doesn't know about it, but it is soon to come. Like by the mid 400s BC, just a, a handfuls of years, decades later from Daniel, all of a sudden the command goes out to rebuild Jerusalem. And you could say in part, this is connected to like Ezra and Nehemiah and when they went and built the wall and the temple and that, but it's more than that. This is putting Jerusalem back together as a city. A command went out from Artaxerxes, mid 400s, go after it. It's time to do it. That's the command going out. From the command going out, which is just a little bit after Daniel, from that command, there will be, it says 62 sevens and seven sevens, right? There's going to be the seven sevens and 62. Okay, ready? What is seven plus 62? It's okay, I know. It's not math class, but you can get it. Seven plus 62. Yeah, 69, right? So it's not a trick question. Seven plus 62, you put those together. There's going to be 69 sevens. I'm not going to ask you what's 69 times seven. That's 483, right? It's just seven less than 490, right? So 483 years. You might be like, why didn't God just say 483 years, right? Remember, God loves to work with sevens and he's showing his fingerprint all over it. The seven sevens, well, that's actually a Sabbath set of years, the seven sevens. And when you see that connected together, you get the year of Jubilee off of that, right? That's 49 years put together. That's a huge deal, that first seven sevens, year of Jubilee. And then the rest after the 62 sevens. So when it all adds up, you get 483 years. It says from the time of the going out call to build Jerusalem, 483 years and the Messiah will come. It says very specifically in the ESV, the anointed one will come. Just so you know, the Hebrew word for anointed one, Messiah. It's saying when the Meshuach comes, when the Messiah comes, when the anointed one comes, when Jesus comes, it will be 483 years after the calling out of time to rebuild Jerusalem from a king that says, I'm not even Jewish, but go ahead and rebuild it. That's what's happening. A command comes to rebuild and the Messiah 
will come. And this is a huge deal. It says there will be seven sevens uh, and 62 sevens. Now, if you're looking in the ESV, it actually says seven sevens, period, then 62 sevens. And you can say it that way if you want, but in the original language, it's probably best captured there as well in the NIV and King James, where it says seven sevens and 62 sevens. The two get lumped together, and at the end of it, the Messiah comes. That's what's being said in the language of the Hebrew and what should be captured here, all right? So as we get the seven sevens and the 62 sevens put together, we get the 483 years. And it says, by the way, through that 483 years, it shall be built again with squares and moats, but in troubled times. Like, dude, it's going to be rough. We're not saying it's all going to be glorious. And we're not saying that's the glorious kingdom of Jerusalem. Not that. It's going to be rough times. There's going to be moats. There's going to be battle. There's going to be walls. You're going to have to keep people out. Troubled times. There's going to be some hardships in those 483 years. From the building call out until the coming Messiah. Dude, those aren't glorious years. Those are tough, tough years. And that's exactly what came to be, right? He's like, just so we're clear, the 483 years, the 7 and 62 is coming. And that leads you up to the coming of the Messiah. And then it says right after it, and after the 62 sevens, everybody say after. And after the 62 sevens, the anointed one, the Messiah, shall be cut off and have nothing. All right, let's put it together. Here's what it says. Daniel's writing it. Somewhere in the next little bit, coming in the mid-400s, there's going to be a call out to build Jerusalem. From there, 483 years forward, and the Messiah will come. Ready? If you do the math on that, you use Jewish uh, time frames and months in that on the 483 years, you end up exactly to the day on the day that Christ is on the Mount of Olives, getting ready to come down, riding on a colt, and people are declaring out, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. 483 years earlier, go build Jerusalem. That moment, the Messiah is coming, the anointed one coming in, the people declaring out, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Messiah is entering in, riding on a colt, Peace. This was another image as Christ rode in that was saying in the Old Testament, he'll be coming in on a colt. Like this was all such fulfillment as you see it all put together. Christ coming in as Messiah, coming down the Mount of Olives. Notice it says, and after the 62 weeks, so you had the seven and the 62 put together, the 483 years in our terminology, right? 483 years, five days later, Christ went to the cross and died for you and me. It says, and after the 62 weeks, he will be cut off and shall have nothing. Literally less than a week away, less than five days, and he goes to the cross as our Lamb of God. This is the absolute fulfillment of the first coming of Christ. He is coming in. He is going down the Mount of Olives. He is the Messiah come. He is the one that so many had hoped for over so many centuries. God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. And God has a plan. And in the midst of seeing the timing of this rollout and the seven and the 62 lumped and you get 483 years and it lands to the coming of Christ down on the Mount of Olives as he walks in as Messiah. And just a handful of days later, 
He is the one going to the cross, our Lamb of God. Him for me, covering my sin, not his sin. And what does it say here? An anointed one, the Messiah, shall be cut off and shall have nothing. That's what the ESV says, shall have nothing. Like he's not getting any benefit off of this. But in fact, again, the King James, the NIV, they have maybe a better literal interpretation of this. It says that the Messiah will be cut off, not for himself. It literally says those words, not for himself. Just so we're super clear, Christ did not go to the cross to cover his own sin. He went to the cross to cover mine. He went to the cross to cover yours. Daniel is saying, Lord, how are you going to deal with this restoration? How are you going to heal us from this sin? And he's like, hang on. Mark the spot. 483 years later, the Messiah is going to come a few days after it. He will die for that sin. He will be the hope that brings us our forgiveness. Jesus Christ. The promise in the first part of Daniel 9 here is that we get to see Jesus as the Messiah, the fulfillment, our Savior and Lord, who covers our sin. His blood covers my debt. His death covers what I owe. He was cut off, not for his own sin, but for mine and yours. We have hope in Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, So let's just take a quick look at this timeline. You actually have it in your books. We'll throw it up on the screen here as well. And uh, just to make sure we talk it again. So you see the seven sevens and the 62 sevens, right? Seven plus 62 is? Dude, you know it better. Seven plus 62 is? Right? So that's 483 years. Probably wise to just write 483 years across the, where it says seven and 62, just across those, just write 483 years, right? You see the 483 years there from the beginning when the temple or the whole city is going to be rebuilt. The 69 sevens go, boom. It is then Christ coming down the Mount of Olives and five days later going to the cross. This is the map, the timeline that Daniel was given. Now there's more that comes after the cross. We'll talk about that in the second point. But this was the hope that he was given. Hang on. God's got a plan. Jesus Christ, he entered into this world perfect and he died for us and he rose again for us that we might have hope in him. Our sins covered. We just thought this might be a great time to take a moment to just reflect and to celebrate. If you want to just go ahead and grab your communion cups, you should have gotten them as you came in. And let's go after it here together. As we go to communion, just know this. Um, This is an opportunity for those of us who have trusted in Christ as Savior to worship and praise Him. You might be here today and you're like, dude, I don't even know what I think about Jesus. Welcome. It is so good to have you. And if you want to just take a moment where you're just hearing and reflecting and don't feel like you have to take this at all, right? This This is for those who trust in Christ as Savior, and you're ready to worship Him. And so let's go after it now. Let's just bow our heads in prayer, and let's take a little bit of time in worship and prayer, and then we'll go to taking the communion. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, 
We thank you and we praise you. Lord God, hear our cry of worship as we come before you. And just right before your God now, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are Messiah. Thank you, Lord, that you entered into this world and you were cut off for me and my sin. Thank you, Lord, that you have paid the price to cover what I owe. And just take a moment with your God, worshiping him. And even one step further, thank you, Lord Jesus, that your goal in entering this world was to put an end to transgression, to pay for sin, to atone for our iniquities. Thank you for your blood shed, for your body broken, for your payment and carrying of our debt. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are managing sin as Lamb of God. And just right where you are, thank you, Lord Jesus, for handling sin. Amen. And now just a time of breathing out. Maybe there's some sin very specifically in your life that you know you need to let go of. It's time to say, I'm done. Lord, please forgive me. And be specific as you take a time before your God. Lord God, please forgive me for this sin that so easily entangles me. I hand this to you. Maybe it's things that happened this last day or week or month that you know are regular in your life. Lord, I give this to you. Please forgive me. Just get real with your God. Hand it to him. You know, Scripture says that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord God, search me and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything wrong in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Just taking a moment with your God. Lord, anything, I'm ready to follow you. I worship and praise you. Just give yourself to Him. Lord Jesus, we do come before you and we are in awe. We thank you that we can know the Messiah, that we can be saved by you and forever carried forward into your kingdom of perfection. You are the Lamb of God and we behold your glory. May you get all the praise. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you in your amazing saving name. I pray these things. And all of God's people said, Amen. If you want to take your bread out.
Christ was talking to the disciples and he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Man, please hear me. Christ knew exactly what he was talking about. He's like, in Daniel, it was foretold that I would come to the Mount of Olives and come down with people shouting out, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I am Messiah. And now just a couple days later, he's in a Passover feast with them and he's like, and in two more days, the after the 483 years is going to take place. I will be cut off. My body broken for you to cover sin that's not my own. I am going to be broken and have nothing because I am carrying the weight of your sin. I love you. Jesus Christ, as he was communicating with them, this is my body broken for you. He was making it crystal clear. I am aware that I am the one who has come and I am aware of, I will be the one who will pay this price. And you get to benefit. I love you. And I'm cut off for you. This is my body broken for you. Take and eat. took the cup and he said this is my blood poured out for you scripture says without the shedding or the spilling of blood there is no forgiveness of sins he's like listen if I am going using Daniel's terms if I am going to restore from transgression if I am going to pay the price for sin if I am going to atone as a lamb then my blood needs to be spilled this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our hope that you are the Messiah Savior, that the God of the universe clothed himself with humanity and stepped into this world, that you came down the Mount of Olives, being declared as king, knowing that you were going to instead first be the lamb who went to the cross for us and died. Lord, we praise your name that you were cut off willingly and knowingly because you love in order to handle sin we're in awe in the amazing saving healing name of Jesus we pray these things and all of God's people said amen amen huge deal it's Daniel 9 24 to 26 kind of introduces the first coming of Jesus. So 26 and 27 will enter in and talk about the second coming of Jesus. Point number two, trust the prophecy, which also revealed a final seven years that is to come. 
Trust the prophecy, which also revealed a final seven years that is to come. It's still future. It's out ahead of us. And we're going to walk through this passage and see now as it unfolds. We've just ended with the seven sevens and the 62 sevens, right? 69 sevens, 483 years. And it said, and after the 483 years, the Messiah would be cut off. It says, and the people of the prince who is to come. I'm just going to give you a tip. The prince who is to come. Dude, that is a bad guy. Everybody just say he's bad. Right, the prince to come. This is actually the beast that you see in Revelation 6 through 18. This is the evil leader of the future. And it says, and the people attached to that guy, the people attached to following Satan and all of his darkness, the people that were tracking along with evil all the way back, even at the time of Christ. It says, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood. There's going to be a destruction of Jerusalem. And in fact, if you notice, it hasn't talked about the last seven yet. It's talked about 69 sevens. Where's the 70th? He hasn't talked about it yet. But he said there would be a cutting off of the Messiah and there would be a destruction of Jerusalem. Just so we're super clear, within just 30 some years after Christ, Jerusalem would be destroyed. Rome would roar in, Jerusalem is torn up, burned and torn down. 70 AD is a brutal tearing down of Jerusalem. And it came fast and furious and rough. In fact, it says here, and it'll come with a flood or like a flood. This massive pouring in the destruction of the city. Its end will come with a flood. So you see the 483 years, Christ comes. Five days later, Christ goes to the cross, cut off. And then it says, there will be then the destruction of Jerusalem. Just a couple of tens of years later, it's already been fulfilled, 70 AD. Everybody say fulfilled. So all of it fulfilled so far. Jerusalem uh, destroyed, the Messiah cut off, him coming in, 483 years. We see that all fulfilled. And then it says, and to the end, there shall be war. We still haven't talked about the last seven. He's like, and to the end, all the way through till now, we're in the end now. We're still in this time. And to the end, there will be war. Desolations are decreed. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be wars. There's going to be tearing down and desolations that are going to occur. We're seeing that. We have seen that in centuries past. Wars that rise up and fall down and massive, horrible things that take place. We're in that phase now. It says, and to the end, there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. In fact, this acts like almost like a gap, if you will. And it covers the church age, all that we've been in. It says, and he, this prince, this bad guy, shall make a strong covenant with many for one week or one seven. And now we're talking about the last seven. You see it? So there's 69 sevens, 483 years. There's Christ cut off going to the cross for us. There's Jerusalem torn down, desolations to the end, and then there's the last seven. And it's ushered in by this bad dude who, just so you know, is the beast, right? Everybody say the beast. And we're going to see him ushered in. It says the beast will basically be making a covenant with many. He's going to be able to stir a lot of people. He's going to be influential. He's going to speak well. He's going to be well-liked. There are going to be people who are like, I don't know, man. I think I can really trust that guy. 
He's going to pull people together like you would not believe. As you get to the beginning of that last seven years, there's going to be a pulling together in ways unimaginable. You're going to see the Jewish people and the Muslim people somehow agreeing at least a little bit on what to do with the Temple Mount and somehow getting along with it. You're going to see this massive worldwide interactions of agreement. There is going to be a peace, but it's basically a fake peace. It's a short-lived peace. It's a guy who's influencing along the way peace. It's a bad dude with a short peace. And that's what you're going to see come in. In fact, he says, there's going to be this strong covenant made with many. This smooth-talking guy is going to get it done with his mouth covenanting along the way. It doesn't say he's going to win in battle as much as it says he's going to smooth talk covenant. And then it says for this one week that occurs. So let's make sure we grasp this a little bit. Let's go back to that same timeline image. We can throw the timeline image up here. That'd be great. And uh, let's just look at it again. Remember, you've got the seven and the 62, 483 years. Christ comes. He dies on the cross. He rises again from the dead. At the end of that, there's actually just a few decades later, there's the destruction of Jerusalem. And it says, and to the end, there will be wars and desolations. That's that gap to the end. And then it says, and then there will be one who forms a covenant for seven years. One seven. And that is the final seven. In fact, just so you know, Revelation chapters 4 through 19 is talking about that seven. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be camping into that seven and learning and hearing along the way. You're going to see in Revelation the same thing. A peace rises up right at the beginning, and it's the first thing that happens to get it all going. This is the statement. There will be a beast he will establish some kind of international peace. Man, I'm telling you at the moment that you see a peace come down between Jerusalem and the Muslims and Israel and all of the stuff coming together in a way that starts to work and somebody is super appreciated and sweet talking, look out, man, right? Now, God willing, we're already raptured out by that point. We don't know exactly the timing of all of this peace, but what we can say is it ushers in right in that beginning of that last seven years. And uh, it's a huge deal as we go after it. It's a marker of the last seven years, the start of this covenant of peace. The bummer is it doesn't last long. Look at the next sentence. And for half the week or half the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. So he makes this pact with Jerusalem, with Israel, with the Jews. And he's like, hey, how about we get you guys going again? They get their sacrifice up. Remember, Jerusalem has been destroyed. That's the last thing we see in the sentences here. Jerusalem's destroyed. All of a sudden, now there's sacrifice. There's going to be a rebuilding up of a temple. There's going to be some start of sacrifice. It's going to be going on for half the time. It says for half the seven. And then he's going to put an end to it for the last half. He's going to say, that's it. You worship me. We're done with that. That's it. No more of you getting your way. Now I get my way. Worship me. Follow me. This is over. The seven-year covenant crushed, stopped at the midpoint. And it says at that point, and on the wings of abomination shall come one who makes desolate. It would be very fair to say, what does that mean? And uh, I'll, re I'll read a couple of verses to you in just a second so we get a gist of what that's saying. What does it mean that one would make desolate through an abomination? Right? He's taking over the temple, and I'm going to show you some verses of why I'd say that. It says, 
that he's going to take over. He's going to do this horrible thing in the temple at the midpoint. He's going to hold on and tear down all the way till the end. And then it says, how long does that last? Until the decreed end is poured out. Until Christ returns and it's over. Man, please hear me on this. This is a massive statement. Jesus Christ is declared in the first 7 and 62, right? The 483 years, he's coming down on a cult. They're calling out, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But he dies at the cross just a few days later. He is cut off, not for himself, but for us. But man, Jesus Christ will come again. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And he will be coming at the end of that seven years. And he will not be riding on a colt. He will be riding on a white horse that says, victory, I'm in charge. Christ will rule over all. Amen, man. This is a huge deal. Worship this massively. We have a God who already came and we have a God who's coming again. And the end of it is going to be seven years. It's coming, it's out in front of us. It'll be launched with a peace treaty. That's going bad fast. And it's going to go down from there. We get to take a look at what's going to happen as God shows us in Revelation. In chapters 4 through 19, we get to see that seven years unfold. And here's the deal. Our job is not to stare at Satan and all of his punk moves. Our job is to see the greatness and the glory and the thunderous sevens are of our almighty God as he moves in that time. May our worship rise up, not our worry. For worship, not for worry. Everybody say, for worship, not for worry. That's why we're going into these last seven years. May we celebrate the God who has it all in hand. And then the end will be poured out as decreed. God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. I agree with you. God has a plan. May we truly celebrate the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God. He came first to die. He already crushed the head of Satan spiritually. And he will come again. And he will crush Satan physically. It's over for good. And we have a kingdom eternal, a kingdom righteous, and a God who rules over it all that will go on forever. May God get all the praise. And all of God's people said, that's where we're headed. Revelation 4 through 19. Start Revelation 4 next week. Can't wait. Let's pray.